that was today's guest, Scott Tornay's band, Electric Voodoo, with their song, Animal, live at Winston's. Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is the one, the only, Scott Tornay comes back to the show. That's right, Scott is back. And this time, it's personal. Uh, Scott has, hasn't been on the show for a very long time. And I was so happy to have Scott back on. And, and this was like a, a, a year in the making. Uh, if you don't know who Scott is or if you missed him the first time, Scott is an amazing guitarist out of Vermont. Uh, he got his footing in with, uh, uh, or he, at least he cut his teeth in the music business. <laughs> God, I sound like such a douchebag. Uh, he got he he got his notoriety, I should say. I, I just don't know how to say this right without sounding like a twat. I don't. I ever. It's too late. It's too late. I sound like a twat. It's it's over. Scott was the lead guitarist for Grace Potter and the Nocturnals. Um, since they they have been split up for a while now, and since then Scott has started his own afro indie rock band i don't know if that's how you want to say it afro beat indie rock band that's so i hate that i hate fucking classifying bands and music and stuff it's so shitty for me because it's like i don't know sometimes you'll hear people say it's like i don't know bro our music's like unclassifiable which is usually code for like we suck and we don't know what we're doing um or they're just literally, I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> but uh, uh, Scott's music and, and it, the, his band is called Electric Voodoo. I've been a fan for a very long time. And uh, their new songs are pretty fucking titties. They just released a, another single, which is called Telescope. I, I can't play these on the show because of copyright infringements so uh just make sure you're clicking in the show notes for the new song that just came out they got a whole album coming out in august so uh, uh lots coming up for the band they're gonna be hitting the road and doing it big and i'm super excited for them because i again i'm a huge fan of this band i also here here's a little fun story about scott last time he was on the show he could I don't know if he couldn't or he just wasn't talking about Grace Potter and the Nocturnals. And he kept on referring to them as the Nocturnals. It didn't make sense to me. And I'm like, okay. I mean, like, I, I it's not that it didn't make sense. It, it's that the Nocturnals was very familiar to me, but I didn't know why. And I'm just trying to think. And the first time we talked, you know, he was talking about their record deal, being on Hollywood Records and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, this band really got somewhere. And why Why is Nocturnal sound so... It's because he didn't put Grace Potter in front of it. So if he would have, I would have told him that I was learning one of his one of their songs at the time of the first interview with Scott. So, um, you know, Scott tells a, a fun story in here about, you know, he stepped away from a, a pretty popular band who was on their way. And uh, to go start his own 
career. And, you know, he tells a story about going and hearing a cover band playing uh, a, a nocturnal song. So it's a really, it's a, it's a good story. So that's coming up, everybody. Uh, again, go check out Electric Voodoo's new single, Telescope. The new album is going to be out. I think they're calling the album Telescope. And um, let me make sure. Electric Voodoo.com. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yes, Wake Up. So Wake Up was the last single. And I'm pretty sure Telescope is the new single. So uh, definitely go to electricvoodoo.com. And that's E L E K. T-R-I-C-V-O-O-D-O-O dot crumb. Go and get yourself some electric voodoo, motherfuckers. Okay, Scott Tournay is coming up shortly, but first, go to RainaMystique.com. So RainaMystique has a new song out called uh, Hold, which apparently it was released in 2020 under... Uh, undercover release <laughs> just kidding Raina Raina put the wrong release year on there so uh, it was supposed to come out the 23rd I told you guys the 20 or I'm sorry the 24th uh, but it's out now so go and click on the link in the show notes hold is out now click on the link in the show notes hold is out now go click on the sh- the link in the show notes hold is out now go click on the link in the show notes uh, Rain Mystique is also streaming on Twitch four days a week. She's playing mostly original music. She plays other streamers' music, but she has gone fully original, and I think that's that's awesome and that's fully commendable. So go check out Rain Mystique at Twitch.tv/slash Rain Mystique. Hold is now out. Go click on the link in the show notes. Um, yeah, so. Oh, and also Saucy Chicken Nugget is on on Twitch as well. Saucy Chicken Nugget is my son. We do a family-friendly stream every weekend. We try to do it Saturdays and Sundays, uh, but it doesn't always happen on both days. But uh, it's a family-friendly thing. So uh, if you are, uh, if you want a, a stream for the family and for the kids, bring them. I tell dad jokes saucy farts um and it stinks and it's a small space so it's not like that farts going anywhere other than into my nose so uh come by it's a good time it's a good time you can also find we speak english good on twitch that's right uh twitch.tv slash we speak english good oh by the way that's twitch.tv slash saucy chicken nugget with one n uh just so you guys know and then also you can find We Speak English Good streaming every Monday and Friday uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and then sometimes we do it on Sundays, but that's for special occasions. But it's all at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also uh, check out this Sunday, this fucking Sunday, JT and the Conspirator. It's me and JT. We're going to be doing a, an acoustic duo, streaming that shit in high def. So come through, won't you? Um... Oh yes, and also Broken Robots, who are is a pretty awesome indie band out of Chicago. Chicago. Um, they're gonna be on the live stream this Friday. So everyone, 
go over to twitch.tv slash we speak english good and sign up for a twitch account and follow my ass or subscribe whatever you want to do and come be a part of the live music or live podcast stream because if you like this show and you get out if you get something out of it you're gonna get way more out of the stream i'm like fiercely itching my eye right now i just woke up and my eyes are like on fire and itchy and horrible and not what i want to deal with right now oh my god so go and and check that out uh you're missing out on a lot of content and me rubbing my eye fiercely on camera Anyways, enough about that. Uh, you can also like, subscribe, review, like us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, fucking, I, man, I'm trying to do it fast, but I always forget all the things. Discord, okay? All the things. All, all the things are in the show notes. Go click on the links. Follow your boy. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on Apple iTunes or follow us on Spotify. We, uh, you can also subscribe to us on uh, YouTube's or on the the Twitches. Go and subscribe. You can also leave a review. This is a free thing for the show, and it's very helpful. Leave a five star review if you like what you hear. Write a couple sentences about what you like about the show, and I'll read them on air. Write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. Let us know how you're feeling, how we're doing, all that good stuff. Um, okay. So I already talked about Broken Robots this Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the live stream. We have the Graceful Bard on the podcast. So that will be the release this Friday. So lots of stuff going on Friday. And then, of course, Sunday. 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 We have the live music stream with me and JT. Uh, we're going to have a good time. I'm telling you. We're going to be fucking out there singing the songs you want to hear. Plus some extra we're going to be raffling off some stuff. So stop through. Come get some love. Come get some love. Come get some love. All right, guys. That's enough out of me. Let's get over to Scott Tornay of Electric Voodoo. And, and let's, let's, get, let's get electrified. Wow. Cringe, cringe, cringe. All right, guys. I'll see you on the other side. Scott Tornay, everybody. Scotty too hotty, what's up, man? Thank you so much for being here. I'm happy to be here, man. I remember that air horn from last time. Oh god, that awful thing! It's still here. It's still going. It, it, you know, it's funny. Be, it's funny because the air horn it it, it took it, like it, it went away for a long time. Like it's after I, after I left San Diego, the air horn and all the sound effects went away for a really long time, and then I brought it all back once I started the the Twitch stream. So. Um, yeah, there was a couple years without the awfulness. Like, was that like Kiss without the makeup? Was that the era for you? <laughs> no. Actually, it's funny because that's the era where the show grew the most. <laughs> wow, <laughs> reverse effect. Yeah. 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 Kind of because of the sound effects. Yeah, like no one want. Yeah, everyone hates the show. <laughs> everyone didn't want to be here. I mean, I like the show, but if only he wouldn't play that fucking air horn every five fucking seconds. <laughs> 
<laughs> I used to be very heavy with it. Very heavy. I, 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 I use it as a crutch, some would say. <laughs> I didn't have anything to say, so I just hit the... Beep, beep, beep. A little sprinkle of salt. I, I do have this now, though. I do have this. Here you go. Uh, hello, and welcome to We Speak English Good TV. <laughs> I'm your announcer, Seth Rogen. Uh, now, everyone, put your doobies in the air or your hands together, <laughs> whichever you prefer, uh, for your host, uh, Mike E.P. That's me. Yay. That's me. Thank you. Thank you, Seth. I appreciate that. Uh, anyways, <laughs> how you been, man? How's uh, how's lockdown for you? How how's that been? Well, before I go there, let's I, before we go there, let's go. Rogan thing. I have had like many years. I had a dream or a vision of like creating, curating all these messages or things that you could say to a crowd uh -huh. and. Like, automating it like that so during shows i just never would have to speak to the crowd and could just press buttons and like change the city name each night if we were touring <laughs> hello <laughs> how, austin <laughs> how much i love being a front person and interacting with large groups of humans <laughs> <laughs> so i mean yeah is that just part of the job that you're not that uh that that keen on is that why you want to do that yeah. Love that part, yeah. I don't. I don't love like I love music and mm -hmm. writing and guitar playing and instruments and gear, but I don't love like being like one night after a show and a friend from high school came came and saw me and and he was like you know and like there's a big crowd and I'm like hey how's it going everybody like after the show he's like you're like running for mayor you're like kissing babies. <laughs> Yeah. And there's an element to that with live performance, you know, or especially if you're kind of like the singer where it's like, you got to be everywhere. It's like, you know, like your wedding day, you know, you kind of yeah. got to like say hey to everybody for a couple minutes. And like that part tires me out because mm. I'm more of an introvert. Yeah, me too, man. I, I feel you so much on that because like I'm not even a front person. And and I'm mostly a supporting act or a supporting member of the band. So uh, even when I'm being bothered, it's like, hey, man, that was awesome, bro. It's just like I, I appreciate it. But it's like I'm like especially like if you're playing one of those gigs where you're playing like two or three sets and you just want to like go chill somewhere and just get away from people and they're just following you around like little puppies and stuff. But but it's even worse when you got like a female front, like my wife, where they're just trying, let, let me touch your hair and like, you know, like let me grab you and like talk to you all close and shit. Creepy with female fronts, that's for sure. Dude, it gets creepy. It gets creepy. People think that they own... You know, I mean, you know how it gets, you know, people think that they own you somehow because they bought your record or they paid for that ticket and, and now they can just Weird, like thing where like, uh, infatuation crosses with like wanting to like murder somebody like, you know, like the Beatles, like yeah. back in like, there's this, ah, I love him so much. I want to like rip him apart. Yes. <laughs> like, what the That's insane. <laughs> like, like people like in those crowds, like girls are like uh, peeing themselves and like, and, and, and. You know, like, it's just, I couldn't imagine what the smell was like in that room. <laughs> just, like, all these, like, prepubescent, like, stinky teenagers, like, pissing and shitting themselves because Elvis is on stage, you know? I was kind of been pre, you know... Uh preoccupied with the with the audio aspect of the shrieking that's what they talk about they don't talk about the the essence very much yeah oh whew. yeah no the essence is always uh you, you gotta talk about the essence because the essence is there it's something that's like it, no matter what if you're going to a concert as a participant or a performer like you know there's certain aspects of the show that gets a little messy you know it's just how it goes oh uh, but uh yeah you were uh 
Yeah, I don't I don't like talking to people either after shows or between shows. What is that something that's always been a constant for you? Has you always just been like, oh, I gotta get off stage and just go somewhere else? Struggle with it. Yeah. yeah. I struggle with the um the interaction of like social time and like fun time with like work time mm-hmm. because I, I love, I just take music pretty seriously. I'm pretty in, like, I'm just like very passionate about the craft of it. And so sometimes it feels like that other stuff just like impedes, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I a, um, you know, like a Michael Fronte sh- Fronte show. If you've ever seen, you know, it's a lot of like, how you feeling? <laughs> now everybody scream. <laughs> yeah. 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 Kind of feels easy to me. I don't mm. know. Like it just like. But that being said, I can't really do it either. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. It seems Maybe easy just to get people yes, pumped. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it seems real. It seems a little too easy to get people into your show. <laughs> Losers. <Yeah. laughs> no, I, but I get what you're well, saying. It's a formula, you know. It it's a very like proven mm. like kind of very easy formula exactly which would probably be yeah i'd probably sell more tickets if i just succumbed <laughs> to it but i seem to bite the bullet <laughs> hey austin let me hear you <laughs> yeah, i just don't like that because even when i'm at a concert and someone does that i don't i'm like yeah. eh, i don't know i kind of want to just hear the song man i don't want to scream and put my hands up in the air like why am i performing i paid 20 bucks to put my hands <laughs> you, you want me to you want me to fucking write you a song too motherfucker <laughs> leon lounge what's up buddy you welcome in cheese plate you got backstage maybe i'll join in yeah exactly you gotta pay man you pay to play baby oh uh, yeah man that that uh so then were you uh when like especially back in like your fucking rock star days were were, were you not very present like was there partying were you not much of a partier like did you like was it like i'm sorry go ahead i partied oh you yeah okay maybe the most but (laughs) oh i see i see because well no because i i get that aspect where it's like if you're so uncomfortable with this situation when like you're you find your comfort on stage right like you're most comfortable on stage performing playing your music and then sometimes yeah yeah depending on like what song and the environment and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I know what you're getting at. Um, yeah, it was, it was uncomfortable. And yeah, and I think I, you know, I think many people have a couple beers before they play, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of ward off some of that, some of those nerves. Yeah. Um, and then just like the nerves of like the environment, you know? So, I mean, it's like, and so, yeah. So I did that. I think, I mean, for fun, but yeah, also just to kind of like, because if I don't drink, you know, or whatever, it's like, I don't really want to be around a large group of people. <laughs> I feel you. I, I feel you. As soon as I stopped drinking, I was, uh, yeah, I, I immediately, my social life was dead. It was dead. DOA. Yeah, I stopped drinking over 10 years ago. And wow. Yeah, same thing. It was like, yeah, I don't, why would I want to go be around <laughs> like 30 people talking like this close to my face and smelling what they ate and like... <laughs> Yeah, it's almost worse than a than an arena full of fucking peeing teenagers. It's it's like you don't need that kind of that that it's just it's it's just it's just not it, like when you're drunk and you're doing it and you're talking loud and over your friends. It's like yeah, we're having a good time, but it's like man, you're hugging, you're touching, yeah, it's all good. You're. And it's like- it looks like the the scene in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas where everyone's just like turns into the dinosaur. <laughs> Slopping on each other. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. 
Exactly, dude. Oh my god, no. Uh, th those moments, man. Those those moments too. Those moments when you're like really fucked up on one kind of drug, and you walk into a place, and it's like I know those feelings when you know, like <laughs> you're just walking, and every, and it's like everyone looks at you, and everyone, it's like everyone knows you're on drugs or something. But you know, they probably just it's probably in your head. Really drunk to a bunch of people, you know, in a room full of people tripping. You're like, <laughs> oh god, that's awful. Oh my god. No, I I went to my friends once, and me and my boy were drunk and on drugs, and we just showed up at my friend's house, and he had eaten a bunch of mushrooms, and he was like deep into this like by himself trip, and we're just sitting there, and he's like sitting there on a couch, like his his legs bouncing up and down, and he's just sort of gripping the edge, and me and my boy are just talking like ah, you know, doing the whole drunk drug guy thing and he just stops it he's just like you guys gotta go you, yeah. you guys gotta go now like you guys gotta go right now and we're like what the fuck bro you did come on and he's like no you guys gotta go now <laughs> i get it i get it I totally get that man get Some people are just a fucking you know oppressive <laughs> <laughs> they are very plus i drink you know the longer i don't drink the more i'm just like i just hate being around drunk people <laughs> it's true it's a, it, you know what man and and it's i i i quit drinking for about six years and then i had a slip up slip up and then uh a couple years ago and then just i went to vac i vacationed in san diego a couple last week i think i think that was last week and, and it, you know, like after a year of lockdown, after a year of fucking, I haven't seen my friends in a long time. And it was my old band when I was playing out in San Diego and we were hanging out. We did a podcast and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have some drinks. Well, turned into me begging my wife to let me suck her dick. Um, you know, like I, I feel really bad for my wife because she had to deal with a lot of horrible drunk mic moments. And, right. like, I just feel bad that she had to, like, <laughs> at the end of the night, just like the old days, they just drop me off at the front door, and I just go in and terrorize the house and, uh, and until I pass out. And so, like, I feel so bad, and, like, it just totally made me not want to drink for a long, long, maybe never. I don't know. But it's just, yeah. like, that, it's just, like, it's that kind of behavior that I hate seeing in other people that exist in myself. That usually leads to, you know, I just don't like, yeah, seeing myself like that. I'm like, maybe I should take some time off. Yeah. No, I, I don't like it. I don't like it either, man. I, I definitely don't like it. Um, what Were you, uh, what, what kind of uh, drunk were you? What, what kind of? It's not really like, I mean, I've definitely made some scenes and caused <laughs> trouble, but it wasn't like, I wasn't a blackout drunk, which was almost worse because I would always remember everything uh, I did. Like, yeah. But it was like, I would just get drunk to a point of like, I don't fucking care <laughs> I'll do anything right now <laughs> yeah that's the best one that was, the... that was fun for the most part i was actually pretty fun to hang with and party i didn't like turn violent or <laughs> yeah. or anything like that like sometimes i get a little sad yeah. but uh yeah it was just kind of like make a lot of bad decisions yes you know, after after that many drinks and then just not feeling good you know feeling like bloated mm -hmm. and like your nerves start to like feel shitty after a while yeah it, it's it's nothing but like feeling like shit and anxiety for a week until it's time to go again well that's weekend warrior I really even liked the feeling of being drunk that much it was like more of a functional 
like being on tour, I would come home from tour and it wouldn't be like, generally would not be like a big drinking thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be more of like a function of just like being out there. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you kind of, I mean, like as much, you know, I know we kind of like touched on it, but like as much as, you know, you love doing that thing, it's like there is this emotional toll and there's this, there's just a, a huge toll on the body physically and emotionally being on the road and interacting with that many people and that kind of input. I mean, and especially on your level that you've experienced over your lifetime, that's a lot of input, man. So I couldn't even imagine being on that kind of, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, Bonnaroo and then fucking have to go out into that fucking feeding frenzy and then not be some kind of fucked up, you know, like that's just so much input that for someone who's not like mentally prepared for that, it's, it'll fuck you up. So you have, like, I feel like you have to have something in there to sort of protect you, even if alcohol is not the best, uh, you know, a best ally in those moments. It's, I mean, that's what people do. I mean, that's why it's so prevalent mm -hmm. and touring you know people it's like you know, keith richards talked about like heroin was like his uh like i feel like it was like a shield or a mask or like a you know like some kind of like a stoppage yeah. from information coming in all the time i mean yeah and it doesn't have to be like that i mean part of it's like your own perspective and your own like fucked up shit mm -hmm. you know if you get healthy internally you can process that in a way like you have your you just have other methods right you know rather than like ingesting you know, alcohol and pizza and drugs. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the other thing is, is that you got a lot of people, especially musicians running around out there with mental health issues that are going unaddressed and they're just running around the country. Fucking, ah! You know, so it's, it's, well, it's nice. It's also though, that being said, it's, it is a nice escape from yourself to mm -hmm. like barrel ahead <laughs> on tour and in a career in a new town each day. Hey. It's like, you don't have to face yourself mm -hmm. yeah. as much. You know what I mean? Like okay. any, you know, you're not seeing your, your family every day or your the same people every day. I mean, the people on the bus, but it's like, we're all, mm. we're all broken together. <laughs> right. That's why we're here, right? We're, we, we're just broken enough that it works. <laughs> enough that we need the, uh, you know, the, the love from people we don't know every night while being on stage. <laughs> That's tough though. That That is really tough though, to like vying for, for the general public's love, you know, like that is a, yeah, it's so weird. It is weird, man. It's like, wh what deficiency are we trying to fucking fill here? You know, <laughs> like what, yeah, I don't know. What, do, what was it for you? What, what do you, why do you think that you still fucking jump in a van with a bunch of stinky dudes and run around fucking the country? Well, now I do it because I like the, um, my band a lot. Like we're, you know, we were on a zoom call a while ago and we were talking about like, yeah, I miss you. I can't wait to get out on tour or whatever, you know? And it was like, we all kind of came to this conclusion that like, we, we missed just hanging, you know, like we missed the hang, like the after show motel six, like six dudes <laughs> on a bed while going through our favorite, like most inspirational, like YouTube music videos. You know? <laughs> Like, yeah, Ernest Wrangling, like, raw, like, like that, like that, or just like the first, like, right when you get in the van, like the first, like, hour of conversation yeah. is always the best, you yeah. know? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, man. That I, I miss the boys. Yeah, because, like, because I feel like once you get older and you get past some of those, like, young man ego trips that you got to get past, 
I feel like then you can sort of like really connect with your band, if, especially if you can make it through, like if your band as a whole can make it through all that period, I, I'm sure it could be fun. But when you listen to like the Mick Jagger and Keith Richards still have like this little bitch thing going on, the little bitch fit that they throw at each other. Well, uh, that comes with success, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the other part. It's like when it turns from just like this passion project where you guys don't give a fuck. I mean, we, as long as we can get gas money to the next gig, bro. And then, well, if you, if everyone loves what they're doing, you know, and believes in the music and you're all on the same page, that's the best, man. Yeah. Because you can be happy. You know, my, my whole trip is like, you, you, you got to be happy just playing with the guys mm-hmm. and songs you're playing and if no one's there you'd still be enjoying that process and then just kind of like stack everything on top of that incrementally yeah you know like because we we've started shows you know at like some earlier tours like to the sound guy and the bartender you know (laughs) like crested butte colorado you know like (laughs) on a wednesday (laughs) right 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 did a great show but it was like one of those things you know all right here we go (laughs) yeah what's it like man to like you know be on you know, coming from, you know, the success that, that you had with the Nocturnals and then sort of starting a new band and a new chapter and like sort of and now you're like sort of in the middle of that. I mean, when we first when we first talked, you were sort of at the beginning and now you're I mean, I guess it's not the middle according to what, you know, but you're you're well into it now and you're right. more established into your your uh, your band Electric Voodoo. What's that like coming from, you know, like that big surge and then sort of have to start again, you know, uh, with Humble no, Roots? It's hard. Mm-hmm be honest i mean the second gig we played was at the 710 beach club and we opened for a cover band (laughs) and that cover band played the song medicine by grace potter and the nocturnals which is a song that i wrote (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that has to be fucked up I'm glad you can laugh about it. I'm glad you can oh, laugh. Hilarious. I mean, I love it. I love that story. <laughs> it's like the ultimate, you know, like test. Yeah. You, wanna, you really want to do this? You know? I, how did how did that how did that hit you in the moment? It stung, uh-huh. you know. But like it was funny too, though. I mean, I always saw the humor in it. Yeah. I mean, you have <laughs> to, God. You know, like, I was trying to leave through like the main audience. I'd like, pick up the merch and like, and I was like doing that like head down scurry out the door like all right let's let's call this a night and you like called me out from the mic you know like there he goes (laughs) (laughs) oh no oh no so they knew you were too (laughs) he was a sweetheart i think you know i think he was proud like he was he bounced it (laughs) off me before the show you know i was like i think they also had like a two hours you know two and a half hours of material barely and that's how long the set was you know so it was like they kind of couldn't yeah they had to play it <laughs> they didn't have a choice i know i've been in that position you yeah know, those oh, really? yeah, so funny. yeah he's like he wrote this you know <laughs> like um jazz odyssey in uh spinal tap yes. did you ever watch that when they play open for the puppet show yeah. and they, play, they played the jazz fusion tune yes. jazz odyssey <laughs> it's like- and Dan, uh, what's his uh, David Saint Hubbins? 
This is a singer. It points to the Derek Smalls. <laughs> he wrote this. Three <laughs> 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 people in the audience. The one guy's going like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's been so long since I. I'm gonna watch that movie now. It's just been it years. like that scene's overlooked. Everyone goes to the, like the uh, turn to eleven, 11 scene. Right. The subtleties in that movie are better. I think you're right. I think you're right. Like the the. I mean the cast and just that movie is just a perfect movie. I mean all those what movies. In the record reviews off them, they're like, So, what do you think of uh, do you think that these reviews were a bit harsh? Or, you know, this one you know outlet said had two words for your album, Shark Sandwich, <laughs> Sandwich, <laughs> Tad Nitpicky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. dude, I'm gonna watch that movie again. That, that it's just such a classic movie, and like all the movies that that they did, you know, like, like Best in Show, and oh, god. Oh. Oh god, there's a bu- there's a few of them, but it's just it's just genius, man. It's like the office before the office, you know, like Brilliant. that concept. Um, yeah, man. So I I was I was actually talking to you before the the show, and I was. <laughs> it's funny that you said that cover band was playing your song "Medicine" um, because at the time when we did this, when we did our first interview together. Um, you were you were kind of like you know I I said you were dancing around it when we were off air but like you were very open and you were very talkative it's just certain things you were sort of scurrying around for for reasons for for good reasons I think but um the at that moment if you would have told me that because you kept on saying the nocturnals I'm like why do I know that name why do I know the nocturnals and like you were talking about you know being I think you're in Hollywood Records or something and you know like you're talking about all these things and I'm like why is that so fucking familiar and then and then I found out it was Grace Potter and because at that moment I was learning medicine for a cover band yeah, that's sweet royalty checks are coming from. <laughs> yeah, baby. Do, uh, is that is that is that a real statement though? I mean, like, do you do you still get royalty checks from those songs and stuff? I do a little bit. I mean, nice. I'm definitely not paying the rent with it, but yeah. it, you know, once in a little, while, it helps. It helps. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Anything helps. Anything fucking helps. Yeah, it, sure. it, I uh, love it. I mean, writing to me, um, you know, the idea of royalties like that is just like. To the lazy man inside of me, <laughs> you mean I get money every month for some shit I did like five years ago? <laughs> yeah, that's that that passive income is where it's at. Do that job, yeah. The whole like uh, you know the TV shows is where it's at, like mm. Seinfeld, like Jerry Seinfeld. Like once the show gets syndicated, yeah, you know that dude's getting like you know I don't even know what he's getting, but like it's just mailbox money that just he doesn't have to do anything. Nothing. And he, he's just out there making jokes just because he likes to now. It's just because it's interesting to see uh, what, like, what, what do you do? You know, that game of like, if you won the lottery, what would you do? You know, it's like, what do you do? My parents just retired. Similar question. You know, it's like, (laughs) what do you do all day? Yeah. What gets you up in the morning? You know? Yeah. That seems, that seems awful. I would never want to wake up and be like, what do I, what, what, you know, like, I feel like having stuff to do. I mean, especially during this pandemic, having like the podcast to really dive into really helped my mental health at least stable, stay stable as it could. Uh, and it, it just so having something to passionately be into, like I'd never want to be at a point in my life where I, I like I don't have something passionate that I want to pursue. Now, do I want to get a point in my life where if I don't want to do anything in a day, I don't have to? Yeah, that sounds great. 
<laughs> but I don't want to get to a point where like I have no reason to live and I'm just watching TV now. You know what I mean? Being depressed. Yeah. Yeah, that's just sad. <laughs> that's, that sounds sad. Uh it, you know, not, you know, with your parents and, and my mom's facing the same thing. My mom is about to retire and she's you know, she's she's been able to retire for over a year now and she just doesn't want to because she's just not ready, you know? And and I think that's fine. I was yeah. like, it's, I read some article about this, like someone did a study essentially of like, where in the world do people live the longest, mm-hmm. you know, and they found all these little pockets and averages and like, and, and kind of surveyed and canvassed all those areas as to like, why is that happening? How do they live? What's their lifestyle? What's their nutrition? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was people didn't retire really ever but i mean their workload would would minimize and like you know and there were other factors too like with nutrition and like not like exercising intensely like we do in the states as much but Mm. just integrating like physical movement into every day also the other one was like elevating elders into kind of having a higher status on someone or being respected or revered within their culture Mm. like their opinion mattering whereas you know like again the united states culture is just like you're over 40 like lame canceled <laughs> <You know? laughs> corny yeah. fucking boomer uh yeah. Yeah, there's just this hatred for our elders and this, it, it you know well we blame them for all the white supremacy and the and the and then the fucking and the hatred and the division right like anyone over 40 it's their fault if you're over 40 and white it's your fault I mean, I think like the boomers, like they made a nice effort, you know, yeah. but then they totally sold out. They did. They tried to be yuppies in the 80s after all that blow they did in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, they got a taste of real money back then. Uh, just- I mean, the generation before that's even worse, you know, like that's where the real. Oh, well, yeah. Know, that's that's I mean, that's real racism right there. The, the, the 50s. Grandparents were really gnarly. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, dude, I still have Mexican uncles that are fucking blame the Jews for everything. So it's not, <laughs> it's, it's there. It's uh, even our generation, even the next generation. Dope. I made it. Hey, what's up, Papa Sweet? Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, the, 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 the whole idea that like you're you're worthless after a certain age is just such a sad thing and, and it's like it's so closer to that age <laughs> yeah. yeah of course and, and then when we were like 20 or, or or not 20 even like when i remember when i was like 16 and my friend was like 25 and i was like wow they're fucking old bro and it's just like you hit that moment of 25 and you're like you know nah, i'm still good and then you're 30 then my fucking hair started falling. <laughs> like, changes start happening. That's when you're like, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, then you start seeing things a little bit more uh, with open eyes, I feel like. I feel like when you're young, you kind of get this narrow view. You know, and, and we even touched on it earlier. Like, you, when you're young, you have this ego. You got this this idea that you're never going to die and you're just going to keep going. And especially if you're if you're young and have success and, you know, and you're in a rock and roll band. I couldn't imagine that shit. Just having that sort of laser fucking – you just – you don't see peripherals. I mean, especially if you're moving at, at a rate that you were or, or someone who's young and successful is going. If you're moving at a rate that fast – I can't imagine seeing outside of fucking, you know, taking a step back from that. You don't want to. That's the comfort in it, you know? I mean, I think that's like the excitement of traveling fast everywhere and being in the, you know, fast lane, so to speak, like does kind of dull those other things. I mean, it dulls the, the whole like, you know 
spiritual quest, the why are we here questions, the whole like, you know, dealing with sadness, dealing with aging, you know, all the scary shit is kind of like, well, I don't have time to think about that today. Right. I need to go rock out. <laughs> Hello, Austin! <laughs> Let me hear you! <laughs> oh my god uh no it, it yeah but but then like on the other side of that too is like when you get to a certain age like these thoughts of like mortality and stuff they creep up real hard it's like ugh, i get why young people don't want to deal with it and and like hair is growing on my ears and my nose and and fucking like I'm, I'm going to the doctor all the time and like i got i'm on medication now i have three medications the saddest thing I think is the dentist because it's just <laughs> fight against like death. <laughs> yeah. That's you're not gonna win. <laughs> you just don't like you. You there's no avoiding that. It like, dude, I just had an incident. I just had an incident like two months ago where I had a feeling that I got done in San Diego four years ago, and it was a temp filling in my uh, in my uh, 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 wisdom tooth. And I just ignored it. I was like, ah, that feeling's going to last forever, you know, whatever. No, as soon as that feeling fucking fell out, it was just raw nerve exposed. And it was just like a week. And, of course, it's, a, you know, it happens in, in, in the time of corona. So people, doctors aren't answering phones anymore. Like, it's all answering machines and shit. I literally had to go down to the dentist's office just to make an appointment because no one was calling me back. And so it was just a week of me eating on one time. Oh, that sounds awful. Oh, it was terrible. It was awful. But, you know, like on the last day, I found out there's this like temporary filling shit you can buy for like $3. Fucking changed my life for for a day. I just moved to to Maryland uh, about six, seven months ago with my wife. This is where she grew up from San Diego. And I went to the dentist. And I was like, I'd been avoiding it. I'd been you know, dreading it. Cause I had uh, gotten my wisdom teeth removed and all this shit. I didn't go back to the dentist for like two years after that. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary. It's a horrible experience. I was like, and then I came back and I was like, Oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. I go in. She's like, you know, you need a cleaning, like no cavities. I was just like, what? Wow. <laughs> Pretty much like what my wife and I, cause my wife had the same experience. Like we're realizing we got hosed in San Diego and we were on the take yeah. or the our dentist was on the take. Like oh, yeah. every time it was like a couple of cavities, this thing, that thing, yeah. the other thing. And I come to this dinner, like, yeah, no, I don't good. think so. Oh, dude, I, I can't stand fucking like that's the hey, what's up, Dex? Thanks for being here, man. It's good to see you. Thanks for that the tongue sticking out at me. I deserve it. I I do I deserve it. Uh, the, no, like the I, I the doctors, man. Like the the fact that like we give doctors the like the say all be all the end all be all, and it, it, like to question doctors is sort of like to you would you did you go to fucking doctor school or you would would you look it up on fucking you know fucking Google is like these are just human beings, um who who have greed who have you know well, disdain. You know, I was like, well, that's what the dentist told me what to do. You know, I didn't question it at all. Of course. Why would you? Now I'm looking back. He's like, he had that nice little convertible sports car. <laughs> you know, he's like, you're like 60 year old mustache, like calling his secretary toots. You know. <laughs> toots. He's got all life. He was kind of like if the anchor man, you know, Ron Burgundy was a dentist kind of. <laughs> 
and like a few, you know, another couple decades older. <laughs> you had to keep that lifestyle moving, man. Hey, hey, you know that 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 rent's not gonna pay itself. That 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 Southern California rent. He probably had a nice pad. He probably had a. By the looks of it, a couple ex-wives. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. He had he had all the ex-wives, <laughs> and they're all on the take too. He'd ask me the same questions again. I tell him I'm a musician. I was a, I'm a musician. He'd be like, "Do you know John Mayer?" I'm like, not a musician. It's just like my nightmare. <laughs> which which you do which you do like you have met him before, right? Like you have actually I've never met John Mayer, but I we opened. A whole tour for him oh. in Australia. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, great musicians in his band. I mean, he is a good musician. There's something about that guy I just cannot swallow. <laughs> that voice <laughs> just crushes me. Is his whole being kind of just bothers me? I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm personally, I personally love John Mayer. I, I at first I hated John Mayer. I, I just thought it was stupid, like Leon, Leon, you know, whatever he's saying. Um, but then, then I grew to love him. Like Continuum came out, and I was like, well, there's no denying that he's on the pulse of something here. But, but like I always used to think that John Mayer's voice was just a like a like a cheap ripoff of Dave Matthews, kind of. It's like it just, I just sort of feel like he's like whispering in my ear while he date rapes me. Is kind of how. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That too. <laughs> if I had to put him under a genre, it would be subtle date rape. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, okay, wow. Well, I really went there. Oops. Do, I try not to do that. I don't care. It's, it, this, this is the internet, baby. We're doing whatever we want. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's just that. I don't know, man. Like John Mayer is cool, but I, I kind of see the. I kind of see what you're saying. Like he kind of has like, because like I think the last time you were on the show, you said that he was an asshole or something, and that's what led me to believe that you've met him. I'll crash on him before too. Uh, I gotta stop. <laughs> I just I just go on podcasts and randomly shit on John Mayer. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I just don't get the love. I don't get the the Grateful Dead connection oh, that shit. was weird for me too man like i i don't i didn't get that either and you know like, like it's, just, yeah, it's just like <sighs> you know it doesn't it doesn't it, it, it's never oh, hit shit. my ear right it's never hit my ear right with 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 john mayer no and, and and again i'm a huge john mayer fan but like i just didn't I don't. I didn't get the connection either, and I didn't care for it. And fucking whatever Bobby is doing with his guitar tone and that Fender he's playing, it's fucking god awful. It's fucking god. It sounds like glass being fucking raked across the strings all the time. I don't. I don't know what the deal is with that, but it's fucking not my business. I mean, it's Bobby is Bobby, man. He's like, it can be pretty gnarly until he finds his groove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might take a whole fucking tour to get there, but you'll find it. There is there is something there, you know, mm. like does something that nobody else does. But yeah, it's definitely there's some there's some stumbles along the way. Well, it just seems like that band was built on on being able to like do that whole thing while like high on drugs or in any state of mind. You know, what I mean, like because like at any time one person could just drop out and you wouldn't even be able to tell. You know, <laughs> this is like. I mean, I love the idea of the Grateful Dead. I like, the, you know, I, it, I'm this weird person where it's like, I like the Grateful Dead, but I also am so far removed from the camp of like obsessives. Yeah. Like, come on. Man. 
<laughs> yeah. The Gotta one... listen to other music too. <laughs> for sure. For sure. It's like the people who are like, oh yeah, that's fucking, uh, that's out of the vault. That's 73 fucking Europe, 73 right there. Yeah, that's fucking Berlin, 73 right there. I don't even mind that as long <laughs> as like there's an openness to new and mm. other it's the ones that like literally yeah. own like that's it. Yeah. You know? They're and at the great. church of the dead forever. Yeah. That's the kind of the antithesis of like what the dead is too. It's like their whole thing was like looking forward, yeah. not looking back, you know, further, be on the bus, like right. be in the moment. Right. The whole concept of and the philosophy of their music is to be in the moment mm-hmm. and like rehashing and like going to see tribute bands that recreate a fucking show from like 1979 is the opposite of being in the moment. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That it, this, it doesn't make sense at all, but they're, uh, you know, you gotta love the deadheads. You gotta love them. I mean, there are some annoying ass hippies out there, but you know, Oh man, I'm a hippie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah. So it's like, I, I'm in there and, and you know, I love, I, I've, we got to play with Bobby once. I'm, I'm all good with the dead, but I do like to like, it's one of those things that like, like Radiohead, no one ever questions Radiohead or like gives them a hard time. You know, like yeah. maybe those weren't the best lyrics, that song. You're like maybe I don't know what any of the songs are about for the last seven. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but no one will do that. And it's like, similarly, like if you're in the dead world, kind of like, it's like, you're not allowed to like question anything. Like everyone's I, I know that's just not my, I can't do that. Like I'm a huge Neil Young fan, but, yeah. and Bob Dylan fan, but I love to shit on Bob Dylan and Neil Young, you know, like where they went wrong. There's some <laughs> terrible songs, terrible shows, but like, let's celebrate it all. And let's just call it like, as we see it, and let yeah. that be rather than to like revere everything <laughs> I, I fucking i hate bob dylan's voice what it's become i just hate it i fucking hate it <laughs> horrible <laughs> festival one time in <laughs> minnesota somewhere it's it actually where he was from i forget what it was called it was a big like Ten Thousand lakes or something mm. big yeah. and uh and he was playing like as like day turned to night and we all had taken some mushrooms, you know, and it just comes on and his, he was not having a good show. And it was just kind of like went from this thing where like, he just started to turn into like a reptile on stage, <laughs> like shooting laser negative vibes. And the audience. I was just like, I got to get away from this. Bob Dylan <sighs> reptile is just destroying people. <laughs> Fucking, fucking ruining everyone's vibe all night. I love it. That was when he started, like, when he stopped playing guitar and was just like playing keyboards. And yeah. it's just like the whole, basically, it was like three minutes of each song of the band trying to figure out what song they're playing. <laughs> oh my God. That's, so- oh, that's classic Dylan, though. He'll, yeah. he does that. It's like all of a sudden he's doing, like, you know, the times they're a change in, in as a bossa nova, you know, <laughs> it'd like, be flat. Like he's notorious for that, you know. Just starting a song, playing it in a weird way, and just Love to do it differently, you know. Every the, night. Meanwhile, the band's like, huh? 
can be the beauty in it, the you know, when when everything happens right, but it can also just be like a bad show. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's what sucks is that it's like, well, I guess fucking we're doing this now. We're gonna sound like shit at this ten thousand lakes festival. <laughs> it's, but hey, you know, it's Bob Dylan. He can sound like shit. Exactly. That was fun. <laughs> that was my first concert. Actually, was Bob Dylan. I saw him. My brother took me when I was like seventeen. I think still. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Vermont. That was pretty. That one was a pretty good concert, from what I recall. I mean, it wasn't like you know earth shattering or anything, but <laughs> yeah, he was mine he was not was, that night. Oh, that that's good. That's good. Mine was Tool. Mine was Tool at, at the sports arena, and I didn't realize that you're supposed to drink water before you go into the pit, and uh, <laughs> and about like 15 minutes into the show, I'm like about to pass out from dehydration. <laughs> So it's that was fun. I had a really good time watching Tool from the side, trying not to die of dehydration. That's a cool show. How old were you? Mm, I was probably like sixteen. I just got my license and shit. So my 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 actual first concert though was actually it's very funny. It's it was actually Tex Beneke. Do you know who Tex Beneke is? He's the saxophone player for the Glenn Miller Orchestra. Do you know who Glenn Miller is? <laughs> I do, yeah. Okay. So not everyone does, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. Well, Glenn Miller, uh, he was the saxophone. He was the lead saxophonist, and he was the MD of the band, I believe, for a long time. And uh, he was like eighty something, and he just fucking his voice sounded like he's been gargling with gravel for like the last forty years. And he's like, "This next song, it's called Stomping at the Savoy. Swing it. (laughs) Here we go. It's." so it was good it was good though i i was really that i was nine and i was so thrilled i was so my me and my dad i mean my dad loved big band so i loved my dad and big band so i was like so excited to see tex beneke i was like oh, wow he was in that movie i watched <laughs> so yeah, yeah. i saw bb king Ooh, at my brother's you. college um kind of really before i knew it was just when i barely started i played started playing guitar i was like 18 so it was wow like, kind of knew i knew who bb king was but i just didn't you know i wasn't there yet yeah really even with the blues or anything and and honestly i was like didn't for the first half of the show i was like this is fucking boring and then like i was like which guy is bb and like he hasn't even come out yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah because he has like this huge intro (laughs) thing so it's just like some guy in a suit playing like chords that i was like well that's bb king (laughs) like he's not doing shit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was he still standing at that point or was he sitting oh, down? He came out. It was like everyone had like a tux on, but then he had like a different tux on, you know, and then came down and sat down on the, you know, aluminum fold out chair. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. It was Yeah. I just like, I like BB. I like that earlier shit. Yeah. He's still standing and it's a little more raw. This was like <laughs> a freaking Vegas show. Right. That. Yeah, I, I I love it. I love that he had like because I saw BB King too, and I saw that whole thing where it was like a twenty minute intro, just waiting for BB King to come out on stage, and you're just like, where is he? And, and, but no. but like I remember because I was well into guitar when I first, when I went and saw him, and I remember like after seeing BB King, I remember like being able to go home that night and like be able to play the blues. Now I'm not claiming that I can play the blues, but at that moment, there was it was like there was this like threshold, this membrane that was sort of in the way of like sort of understanding and and sort of hearing 
where these notes and these bends are supposed to go. And then after seeing B.B. King, it was like that membrane was sort of broken through. And I sort of was able to start like hearing and like and start moving between like uh, moving between like the minor and major scales within, you know, within the Pentac blue scale and stuff. So it was like a really huge moment just by seeing him. And like it was just like osmosis or something. He just like he he put the he put the blues into me. It was, it was very weird, but that's, it was awesome. I mean, that's the best shit. I mean, my favorite shows I've ever seen or artists usually is like it makes they make it seem easy, yeah. and they make me want to go home and and do what they do. You know, like that's usually the stuff that I'm most connected to. Yeah, for sure, man. The shit that motivates you to want to be better. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. I, I was looking through your website and I saw you have some pictures of you playing with like Billy Gibbons and shit. And, and oh, yeah. how, did, how did you, uh, what, how did that occur? That was crazy. That was a, there's this company in Vermont called dealer.com, which is like where people buy, you know, cars online and they were like one of the earlier ones to do it so i think they just like they're based in burlington vermont and they just like blew up and were making a ton of money mm. very quickly and at that time you know our band was one of the you know besides fish probably the second biggest band in vermont <laughs> and so they put on this these cup two like big parties one was in vermont and then this, the other one was out in vegas and i think they just had all this money to blow for tax purposes or whatever they had a lot of money to spend nice. so they they paid us good and put us up in these it's this sweet you know casino and and it was just this raging party and so they hired us as the band they hired billy gibbons just to like come and like jam five <laughs> songs with us and he was down yeah i don't even know what they paid him but you know, was, you know here just 30 grand to like just come play blues for five songs with this young man. It's like, okay, man, you know, yeah. he was a sweetheart. He was, couldn't be nicer. He came to sound check. We worked it out and we, we all, we did all non ZZ top songs. Like that was the thing, you know, Sweet. So we played Allman brothers songs and some like other, like kind of just blues staple oh, stuff. Wow. And, um, and then they also hired the most interesting man in the world from the, uh, oh, Dos Equis. <laughs> he, they just hired him to like sit at a table and like be at the party <laughs> was he was he in blackface because like you know they painted him and tanned him for that right because that's a, okay, I, don't I don't even i didn't see him that's we a white black. dude that's definitely a white dude who's doing like <laughs> i think he's been canceled already no i, I don't know but that, at the time, he was hot, man. Right, he was so, number one, bro. Like, I wanted to drink Dos Equis because of that guy. It's like, it was shit. like 2012, I think, right. you know. 2013, 2012. It was yeah. sweet. Uh, that was awesome, man. It was, <laughs> it was sweet. Black. No, well, not him, but it was I sweet know. to Billy and, like, you know, just chill with him. He, like I said, he was super nice. He told us the thing I learned from him is that he he even borrowed one of like the dude didn't even fly in with a guitar. I mean, he just Shut up. up. He's just like I just and show up. Like, oh, like I just do you guys have a guitar I can play, but I wanna well uh, can your tech string it with my string <laughs> that I like. Because he plays eight gauge, oh, like super duper, super light strings. Wow. And he told us that BB King taught him that, like showed him. He was like all these man these dudes out here, like Stevie Ray Vaughn clones playing like 12 gauge strings. Yeah. You know, they're they're suffering for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> don't have to do that for yourself man you don't have to do that to your fingers bro 11s at the time i you know played pretty heavy strings yeah. so i was just like wait what yeah I didn't know that. so i've been kind of like over every like decade i'm coming down a gauge <laughs> where are you at now 
Tens. Yeah, me too. That, that's what Valo said. He said, I played tens. Yeah, I'm a 10 guy. I've been that for a long, long time. I was 11s for like 20 years. Man. Wow. Man, that, that's thick, baby. That's thicky right there. Yeah. I, got, I was a Albert King fan and like, you know, yeah. Albert King's the guy who Stevie Ray Vaughan got his whole sound from, or not his whole sound, but a lot of his tone from that mm-hmm. real thick. Yeah. Thing, so. Yeah, man. Fucking. Um, what I mean, like, what I mean, what is that experience like? When you would you like? Were you like super nervous to meet him? Were you like? Were you like shy and bashful about your playing for Billy Gibbons? Or were you- I would say a little bit. I mean, that kind of situation. Same thing. Like when I would sit in with Warren Haynes or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you're they're your elders in yeah. a way. You know, what I mean, they're like those guys are like you know practically my dad's age you know then so i think there's definitely and you know and then i look up to them i've grown up listening to their playing so you know you kind of want to come in you know with respect Mm. but then at a certain point it's like they also want you to like it you know there's a there's a time to step up and you know do your thing too Mm. but you kind of just have to you know be be intelligent about like when that time is you know and how you handle that yeah, there's a subtlety there, and and they kind of Billy was just like he, you know, he's like dig his hole, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's clearly there for the buddy. He didn't even show up with a guitar. <laughs> he like that though, he I didn't know. give him a vibe. He was I, he really was super nice and yeah. cool. Like, you know, well, I mean, everything. I mean, he was a professional, right? I mean, shit, he walked in there and yeah. did his job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hip dude, man. Yeah, what, how did you end up playing with Warren Haynes? Oh, we toured with them forever with oh. Government Mule uh, um, pretty early on. I think our first bus tour, the first, you know, we had our own tour bus and that whole thing. We went on tour with them for like two and a half, three months straight wow. over a whole summer. So, I mean, you know, you go on tour with a band and you just get to know them. That's right. just, except for John Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 did he just hide away in his bus the whole time? No, not, man. John Mayer and then the only uh, Rich Robinson of the Black Crows. I don't know if he was shy or angry or what. We toured with them for like a month and a half, and that dude never said a peep to anybody. Wow. Not one time. Wow, you know? that's weird. Don't even. I mean, isn't that weird? I mean, like, I've never been on a tour with a huge band or anything, but like, I've been on. Go ahead. I mean, I don't know. I thought at the time he was just a dick, but <laughs> I think since then I've heard that he's just like, super shy like he's sober and kind of always has been hmm. which i found super intriguing yeah you know of like being in the black crows for yeah. all those years like yeah. and not drinking beer in like the 90s you know <laughs> <laughs> dude i um i i just uh oh no not the black crows i was thinking the no, I just heard a. Uh, I just watched the podcast with uh, the Adam dude from the Counting Crows, and I was like, "That's a totally different band." But oh, yeah, I know them though. Do you know the Counting? Did- no, no, I don't know them. We opened for them mm-hmm. once at like a radio show, mm-hmm. and so we played, and but we never met. Not you know, just because like it was one of those things where we they, we took a van in, played the show jump in the van, get out of there kind right. of a thing. Right, you got to keep it moving. Um, you guys, you guys, you know, you guys were were pretty hot. I'm talking about the Nocturnals. You guys were pretty hot um, 
at a time when the music industry was like still i mean we're they're still really and trying to figure out how to do the money even though like the 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 music the music uh the mu- the labels have sort of weaseled their way back into making money again but like uh you guys came up at a time when fucking you know album sales weren't you know cd's weren't selling and stuff how did that affect the way you guys grew and how did that and how did you sort of how are you guys sort of dealing with that idea that, you know, touring is where your money's going to be and not the music? Or was the music providing money? I, maybe I have it all wrong. Um, we kind of had like a parallel, like a very um, juxtaposed experience in that, like the first so many years, we were super, you know, rootsy, DIY, um, you know, just like hit hit the road, 200 shows a year, like totally indie you know thing like not really by you know we just, that's just the way we did it and right. that was and we had some offers kind of along the way and just it just didn't feel right right then um and or like a lot of the labels came in and wanted us to do like they really wanted to change us and they were smaller labels too like a lot of like you know indie labels came in hot with like you should do this and then you need to re-record these two songs and we you know shouldn't go in this direction you should go in that direction it was like whoa like we kind of have ideas about (laughs) what we'd like to do (laughs) that so we're gonna keep going because things were getting better and we you know you could kind of feel that there was going to be opportunity like that didn't feel like that was going to be the only opportunity you know Mm -hmm. Um, and so we just did that for a few years. And then we, like I said, we talked to a ton of different labels, um, really to feel it out. And, and then the label that offered us the most money kind of also seemed like they were offering us the most autonomy. And that's who we signed with, which was Hollywood records, which is like all the way in the direction of like a major record label, right? heart of the beast. And, um, so then we did that. And so we actually got like one of the last like old school contracts oh wow like you know here's three hundred thousand dollars to like go make your record here's two hundred thousand dollars to make like a video and you know i mean all that we you know owed back right right you have to pay that all back yeah and just just we didn't i mean we kind of knew but i didn't really fully grasp Mm -hmm. you know like oh like this is sweet we can go to this crazy studio we have the producer and this like big name engineer and go to this place and rent any guitar and any amp and all this gear you want and every morning you got fresh squeezed orange juice and like (laughs) you know it's just like this is the life you know and uh but yeah it's funny though it's like right when that happened was kind of when the fun kind of started going away too a little bit yeah uh, so yeah like i said so we i feel like we just had this really interesting like i feel like i've really experienced both sides of the music industry yeah and and were you guys able to uh, recoup that money because for anyone that doesn't know if you get a record label and they give you an advance is what they're is what's that he's talking about to make your record and to, to do a video all that money has to be paid back out of the profits from the band and it's not even like and, and it's not even it's not even until they recoup the money it's until your percentage pays off the percentage that you get off each record until the percentage pays off that debt. It, now, do I have that right? Is that how your label had it set up? Pretty much it, yeah. So it's like they like to, you know, especially with that company too, because it was like 
they, you know, they just had, they were trying to break us. Like, you know, the other artists they had were the freaking Jonas brothers. And, yeah. you know, that was where a lot of their money came in was like those like Disney artists, but there was also legit artists on like queen was on Hollywood records and like, oh. you know, some, uh, the indigo girls, like there were some <laughs> different, they had this, they had like, um, you know, they were, I think they were like kind of embarrassed. Like they want to be taken seriously as like a record label and like, but they were just crushing it with like Hannah Montana. Killing <laughs> <laughs> it. It was like the stuff that was by far making the most money, right. but they also wanted to be like respected. So we were kind of this, like this band is, you know, has like some value or some, you know, yeah, queen and the Indigo girls and some other shit like that. So it's just kind of a funny label to be on in that way. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> from like Vermont too, where we were like, so you know, Vermont's just different. It's very DIY. If you if you're a multimillionaire in Vermont, it's like you like the most thing that the biggest car you roll up in is like an Audi, you know, <laughs> but like not even a tricked out one. Like it's like you know base model like, Audi. Yeah, everyone like no one wants to be too no one's too showy in Vermont, you know. It's yeah. very like hu- humble in a way. People are of means, but humble means in this in this funny way. See, and all of a sudden, we're in the middle of Hollywood with like stylists and like you know, like fans blowing in your hair, and yeah. like we had a horse galloping in our video. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it's like how much is that costing? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm looking at this, like recoupment, and I'm like, God damn, we have to rent the horse. Like, that. <laughs> and every all our friends do. I remember like, we came back to our. Our hometown club, Higher Ground, we do like a run of shows. And, you know, you hear like fucking horse. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. It's hilarious. You know, I love it. <laughs> did, did, did you guys, uh, did you experience like, um, you know, I, I don't want, you know, like I'm not trying to cause drama or anything, but did you experience any kind of like, bitterness from friends who are, are um, contemporaries and stuff once you guys started? Yeah. Totally. I mean, if you, you know, if you listen to any comedy podcasts, like I love, I listen to the Mark Maron podcast a lot. That's one of my favorite ones. He just talks about, they always get back to that topic of like when people started getting TV deals, like how everyone, all the other comics would be like, what the fuck? Do you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think there's definitely a, I mean, there's definitely a rivalry in the music world yeah, definitely. of that kind of a thing. I think it's like, and I've felt it, uh, you know, I've been jealous of other, you know, someone starts just crushing it. I'm like, God damn it. How you real, how you handle that. You know, I think that there's an in- initial emotional reaction that comes over us as people sometimes. And then it's just like, how far do you take that? You know, you got to kind of like get up on your shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I need to not get obsessed with that or like, I need to focus on myself. Yeah. And so I think, you know, we felt some of that. Yeah, we definitely felt some of that. And some people didn't get a handle on that, you know, I had, but I've also, you know, I had some friends who we kind of went through a rough patch because I felt some of that and then it came back around and it's, you know, yeah, it all balanced itself out. That's good. I mean, time back cocky too, you know, because I think on the other side of it, it's like, we're fucking crushing it. You know, (laughs) we were just night show last night just sat in with the almond brothers you know yeah of course (laughs) so i think there there was definitely a couple years where we had kind of had to like figure out how to 
how to balance, you know, get on top of your ego. Yeah. And, and, and what, from what I hear from people who've gone through this is like, there's just like almost no matter what the first couple of years is, you're going to be an asshole. It's just like, it's just, it's just how it is. It's like, you just got too much money, too many people know your name, too many things happening, too many things in place. You know, like, I feel like after a while, I mean, like you were saying, you just thought John Mayer was a dick, but I guess he's shy. But I mean, like a lot of that is just their protective barrier. And I can see how people who've been in those positions, uh, you know, those positions of power or, or fame and stuff it is, you know, you sort of have to build this this exterior because people are constantly trying to take from you. People are constantly asking you for something and, you know, so it's you kind of have to put up these barriers. And, you know, I don't I've never been in that position, so I don't know what kind of person I mean, I've seen myself get kind of shitty once i got a little bit of it was just people cheering for me it wasn't like my band was ki- like was doing good it was just people were like go mike and i was like afterwards i'd walk around like get out of my way you know like what a piece of shit such a piece of shit i was drunk a piece of shit that's all right though we learned we learned <laughs> so what what do you think about it about you know when you guys start finding success that that sort of turned it into not so fun anymore and 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 i mean i I, i'm guessing this is probably when you know everyone's starting to you know want their piece and stuff like they want their piece of the pie and i'm assuming everything here but it's just this is this is the normal thing when i talk to all these people it's like it's always like yeah and then the money came and that's when i hated them (laughs) that's what now i hate them so i I gotta i gotta jet for one second sure no worries He's just avoiding the question is what he's doing. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, Scott, Scott, uh, last time Scott was on, if you guys missed it, Scott, um, Scott wasn't really talking about, oh, Tammy, thank you so much for the host. I appreciate it. Scott wasn't really, uh, talking about this stuff with me last time he was on the show. So I, I'm really interested in sort of his experience because, uh, you know, uh, we don't always get a chance to talk to people who've been on that side you know, like Scott is on the on Letterman, and you know, like he just said, he's playing with Billy Gibbons, and he's he's touring around, and you know, people. It, it's a it, it, it's a rare glimpse into what it's like on the other side, because like as a musician, who I guess my goal has been to get on that side of things, and now my goal is completely different. But uh, at one point, my goal was to get to that point. And uh, so it's it's really interesting to to see how it all goes down. You know, I was waiting for a break. <laughs> I'm loving this. I actually have been thinking about the concept of competition in art. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's a competitive game. There's only so many spots, right? There can only be so many John Mayers. There can only be so many Scott Tornays. You know, there's. It, it's... But for me, where it's the question you're asking, I wouldn't. It didn't stop being fun, but like. Uh, when there started being things that entered that interfered with the fun for me was definitely having a producer, Mm. uh, the first producer, like, you know, I had another experience where I loved having a producer. So, you know, the first producer we had good, I mean, good dude. Like, but I, and in, in fairness, like he was tasked with the, it was his first big production gig and he, you know, was tasked with trying to, 
have us be on the pop charts, you know? And, and meanwhile, really our, our personality was like out in clubs, like fucking raging and drinking whiskey and playing, you know, smashing the cymbals with the guitar head stuff. Like we were really kind of entering a phase of like being a like rock and roll kind of loose on the edge, you know, band that really was not perfect. Our drummer, you know, sped up and slowed down the tempo a little bit, you know, he, well, he, he was a good, you know, he just, he wasn't a school drummer. So, he, I mean, he was pretty raw. He had a lot of personality and he was kind of like Ringo and that he was great at um, kind of arranging a song mm. and like, you know, working with his limitations, like, you know, playing just the hi-hat through the verse and right. saving the first snare hit for the chorus or stuff like that. Yeah. Which a lot of great drummers that I've played with have no sense of, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so he was trying to like, really kind of perfect us and tame us and and it's just a painful process of like a, you know making an album for like two and a half months of like um you know just being told to do this or you know one song i had to like play the g chord you know stop tune play the d chord stop tune play the a minor seven stop tune and like go through the whole fucking chorus like that you know it just felt shitty yeah. you know <laughs> yeah that does i mean i couldn't imagine working like that that's awful yeah i really took the fun out of it mm-hmm. and just I, I i just didn't like you know i had a lot, a lot of opinions about how i wanted the music to go you yeah. know it didn't i don't do well with authority so i was just like this sucks like our last record we did was great and we recorded it in a barn in vermont yeah. for 20 grand you know and like People love it. It got us here. Like, so yeah. why are we like completely like reinventing the wheel? And I could just feel that like the push towards like stuff that I didn't I didn't find as exciting. You know, like some of like like you know how you feeling? Some of the <laughs> yeah yeah formulas. It's like this is an easy formula. You know, if you if you sing a song about this and do it in this way, it's more likely to have more people pay money for it yeah. and i could feel that yeah. and that's just never the way that i've wanted to make music or art you know yeah. it's like i want to make it i want it to succeed at that level but i want it like i look at a band like you know pink floyd um for lack of maybe a better example of like you know one of the greatest selling albums of all time but it's like dark side of the moon it's like that album was not specifically going out trying to be that you know right. It's like I always wanted to make an album on my own terms, and then if it, it gets to that place, then that's great. But like in a way, or like Bob Dylan, like a Rolling Stone, like the first single to be over five minutes, like that's my shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Not like you know, oh, everyone on the radio now, the the you know, <laughs> goes like that. So it's like that's what we're gonna do. It's like no, like that's how you follow it. Like how do you get ahead of it? Right. That's what interests me. Right. You know, and what's and, the next beat that everyone's gonna do? <laughs> exactly. Like how do you transcend if you're just following what's already do what's already in there? You know, and it's a losing path. Cause if like, you know, I mean, my, one of my favorite things to do before I had a child was read books. <laughs> and it was like I read so many music biographies, you know, and all the special souls, you know, all the Ray Charles and all the, you know, Led Zeppelins and groundbreakers, you know, yeah. like did what they thought, you know, or like did what they thought was great. 
you know, and hadn't been done before. And it just happens over and over again, but you get into a major label and there's a lot of money involved and a lot of opinions and, and people get scared. And when people get scared, they, they play it safe. And it's the same thing with, you know, TV shows and, you know, on, you go watch a TV show on HBO with the laugh track and like the, you know, and then you go watch one on HBO. That's like breaks more rules and is edgier. And it's just so much better. (laughs) In my opinion, that's what I like. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, this cookie cutter thing that appeals to the greatest common denominator is just like, like there's merit to it, right? Like you got to give props that you're able to captivate like a whole group of people that they're all into it. But like, what are you feeding them? You know, it's like it's like, are you feeding them McDonald's? Are you feeding them fucking Whole Foods? I don't, I don't know. Like Whole Foods garbage. But I'm just saying, there's a it's just what are we There's a way for the pop charts and great music and art to coexist and it has and yeah. it and it still does from time to time you yeah, know definitely so uh, that's just what more what i'm interested in that's just like but the dumbing it down to for the sake of trying to sell records people can see through that mm-hmm. you know like i think people can feel that and yeah. i just i've just never been interested in it so i guess to, long-winded to answer your question for me that's when the trouble started with mm. that path you know yeah um so that record was not fun and then we made a record with t-bone burnett and mm. that wasn't awesome either actually <laughs> what t-bone's amazing <laughs> well he, he fired the band you know <laughs> his own studio guys and like mark ribot played all my guitar parts you know and like messed up like or like turned around the main riff to the song medicine the song medicine i wrote that riff and the way mark ribot played it was like and he like he's amazing like i don't i think he was kind of instructed to i think just be loose or play it you know what i mean reinvent it so i would never say anything negative about him (laughs) Um, yeah, oh, he's an incredible, incredible guitar player and musician, um, which is crazy too, because he's like this crazy art jazz free, mm-hmm. you know, player, but then he's like playing on T-bone sessions, like doing like straight yeah. you know, like soul licks, which I thought was funny, but kind of actually a testament to his playing but anyways. Um, but then I ended up overdubbing a bunch of parts on that record. Um, it just, and then, so then that record actually didn't come out that got swallowed up. Oh. Yeah. The cool thing, uh, say what you will about our major record label, was that the the um, the label head, this guy Bob Cavalla, who was a big big time player, saw our Bonnaroo performance and then listened to that record and was like, "I want that." The Bonnaroo performance, like he, he was like this this kind of it's a cool record. It just kind of was something different, mm-hmm. you know. What I mean? It was like a Nora Jones record. Yeah, it was kind of like you know it it would have been on the counter at Starbucks. Right. You know, on a record. Yeah, it wasn't rock and roll. It wasn't fucking whiskey and fucking clubs. Yeah, it was fucking. At this point, he's like in his 60s, you know, and he might like to have a Vicodin from time to time. <laughs> he's a pretty mellow fellow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, like, I, could, I just imagine what a, what a T-Bone Burnett produced, you know, Nocturnal's album. It's just sparse and fucking. Well, Nocturnal's album, you know, so there, there you go. There you go. Uh, so, uh, I mean, with his thing, it was cool, but it sounded like the Alison Krauss and yeah. Robert. It was like he didn't adapt his sound mm. at all. <laughs> he wasn't even he, trying. <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that's cool, though. Some producers do that. Right. You know what I mean? Like some producers, you kind of, they don't leave a big sonic stamp 
on the artist. They let the artist kind of be them and they kind of like help them get better. Whereas other producers come in and they've got that like Mutt Lang specific <laughs> kind of like thing that maybe people are looking for. So right. it just wasn't, it just didn't match up at the right time and in the right way. Yeah. Still interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I lo- love him too. And like mm-hmm. love a lot of the stuff that he's been a part of. Yeah. It was cool. I mean, it was cool to like, go to like his home studio and do overdubs and yeah i mean shit. i think he had the the desk the mixing console that they used for like led zeppelin 2 oh that's not other shit it was pretty sweet <laughs> that's so awesome that's you know? i'm fucking i'm rock hard right now scott <laughs> <laughs> it sounded great his engineer was was really cool too um nice guy his name's mikey and he turned me on to um one of these pedals over here down gear time this thing he had like the whole mix running through two of these have you seen these no. like the ketner replex there it's like a delay there's a tube in it and there's also a reverb and yeah he just like at one point i think ran the entire mix through like a stereo pair of these <laughs> fattened it up and yeah and they're cool you can get them I got this used in San Diego from some sketchy dude on Craigslist for like 200 bucks or 150 bucks. Nice. And and that's just, that's, they were just running it through just to just fatten the sound. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's amazing. It, it, that, it's, it's always so, so incredible when I hear, you know, these big time producers and engineers where they're just, ah, fuck it. We're just running these through pedals now. <laughs> like that's. Yeah. I love that shit. Me too. I, I, yeah, that's that. Uh, Richard Swift. Did you ever hear of him? Mm-mm. He was he was like a amazing musician's musician. Uh, mixed a lot, produced a lot. He produced like um, that's that guy's name. I'll think of his name in a second. I'm spacing on it. But um, he also played bass in the Black Keys for a while. He mm. played in the keyboards in the Shins. Okay, just a. But everyone really, really liked his um, his, his production. His, his whole thing was he would take the entire mix and mix it down to a four-track tape recorder oh, and print the mix and send in the cassette tape to the mastering engineer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit. Oh, dude, that's amazing. Holy shit. And that's just... And that's his sound, right? Like, that's just his sound, and, and people pay him well for that. <laughs> And yeah that, and it's beautiful i think that's beautiful mostly a producer like mm-hmm. yeah that's that's insane um so you know like i want to talk about the new album but i kind of want to wrap up your your oh, yeah, so cool. well i did want to follow up by saying like then the next album we did uh-huh. we worked with this producer this guy mark batson who everyone kind of like thought was going to be you know exactly what i just explained of like you know, sterile, you know, not understanding rock and roll at all kind mm-hmm. of thing. He was coming from like, uh, he was like Dr. Dre's like keyboard player and he had produced like a Dave Matthews band album. Yeah. Beyonce. Kind of all over the place. But, um, but he's kind of more of a hip hop guy and, and he completely understood the rock and roll energy and had the whole band play and there's drinks in the studio <laughs> and like a party in the studio yes. and like, girls in the studio. <laughs> oh it was like turned into a motley crew record you know and uh 
and it was a blast like because he understood that we were a band that toured and that you know we're like brothers and sisters at that point you know had been seeing more of each other than our families and we just existed together and he understood he got that like he captured that yeah. you know and you know there were overdubs and there were fixes and there was shit you know but like the essence of the track was like f- fun and excitement and you know, us doing kind of what we do and interacting and stuff. Um, do you and think it was that, a blast and we did it in like a month or three weeks, wow. you know, was that, uh, do you think that was your best album that you guys have put out? Is that your favorite? Um, I mean, that was, that was the most fun yeah. making for sure. <laughs> I mean, it was our most successful album. I mm. think it was our self-titled album mm. at like our biggest, you know, songs off of it. Um, I I kind of like that one, and then I like the first one we did like in a barn yeah. together too, because that had a lot of like purity, right. kind of you know, just the beginning before things kind of got bigger or whatever. Yeah. I think those I've kind of tied between those. Yeah, I can see that. I could definitely see that. And was that last out? Al- was that the last Nocturnals album as well? That we did. I mean, we kind of did two more after oh. that. We did the Lion, the Beast, the Beat, which is, a, I like that album too. That one's cool. And we worked with a guy, Jim Scott, who was, for a long time, he was Rick Rubin's engineer. Oh, cool. And he just kind of had gone off towards producing as well. Um, and he just had the most insane collection of gear I've ever seen in my life. It was like literally a warehouse full of like arcade games and drum sets and like <laughs> keyboards. Snare like, drums. <laughs> so much fun he had like a cool thing because he was a drummer and he had this huge warehouse space they always had like seven drum sets set up at all times so like at the end of a session or the beginning or whatever like all of us would get on a drum set there'd be like six people on drum sets just like jamming together hell yeah hell yeah drum off motherfucker uh so so that you know, like, uh, so what? What was the, the what was the thing that sort of ended everything? Why? Why? Uh, why did Grace decide to go off and be a solo act? And why did you? Because you started a solo act as well, right? Like you went off and did your own thing as well after. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'd been kind of making my own solo records, and then I had a side band called Blues and Lasers for a while. Uh, I kind of always had my own thing because I was only writing, like, you know a couple songs a record, you know, there was only, and for me, that was, it's just the way the cookie crumbled, but like, I just liked to write more, you know, and I I wrote a lot more than that. So it wasn't, especially when the album cycles get to be like three years apart. Yeah. I don't love, you know, that's another part of the kind of the big, bigger world uh, that I don't love as much. I'd rather do an album every year or two, you know, cause to me it's, I, that's kind of the most fun is Mm coming up with the album recording it that's like where the majority of the excitement lies for me mm. i would say even more so than performing live yeah yeah you me know? too man i i prefer we, but i don't we, like please no we just you know so it, it i think i just wanted to write more and that was kind of clear for a long time and mm. then just towards the end there was just more and more of a push for us to be on the radio and succeed at a larger and larger scale mm. and i kind of didn't see it that way you know i just kind of in my mind we had played football stadiums you know opening for huge country acts and i had seen what that is and you know i think that's everyone's aspiration on some level and then i was kind of like you know what that's not my aspiration 
like I don't want to be here. Like I don't really like when the Rolling Stones started playing football stadiums. I think it got worse. You know, like I think you go watch the shit from the early seventies when they're playing. You know, five six thousand people or eight or whatever, and there's not like catwalks and a bunch of production fire breathing dragons. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, I don't right. that. I don't. That just doesn't appeal to me as much personally. I'm not. And so, like, I, and we were playing at the time, you know, beautiful theaters, two, 3,000 seats, you know, 4,000, you know. It, we were kind of, like, in between, you know, 800 and 6,000 people a night, you wow. know, on tour. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is the sweet spot. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you've got a tour bus for the band, a tour bus for the crew. You're playing to a ton of people, but, like, you can also take it down and there can be subtlety and nuance and, and you can kind of, you just have more control over everything at that point. You get to that point of 30,000 people and it's like, you know, tractor trailer trucks and production and like, you know, it just doesn't interest me as much. I feel you, man. And in like that, the idea of, of nuance, cause that's, that's one of the one the things that I really love about streaming is that you can put your fucking really ni- you can use your really nice condenser mic, you can like set up you can be in a soundproof room and you can project and stream fucking high quality studio sounding live performances, and when you try to take that to a bar scene, you're that's that's non-existent. Like you're getting talked over, the games on, people are ah, ha, 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 you know, like the whole fucking it's just there's no nuance. It all gets lost and it all gets absorbed into people's bodies. So when I think about something on the level of of, of a stadium where it's just thirty thousand people, like it's just never ends, it's deafening screams. And like what nuance are you <laughs> I never even thought about that though. I've never like you know the energy of that is right intoxicating sure you know to the first few times experiencing that i mean granted we were opening and we're like the one non-country act on that tour so we weren't getting (laughs) (laughs) what in the hell is this (laughs) not what i paid for yeah like there was an element there that was feeling that i mean there's definitely a lot of people digging it too but um yeah i don't know like so that that can be that's awesome like Mm -hmm. that you know the the sound of a big crowd is is cool Mm -hmm. but like but yeah just it you have to paint in broad strokes you know there's a reason why mick jagger moves the way he does and there's catwalks and cannons and set changes and like but you're it's a lot of like like, hey, I'm over here, like kind of things where like when we were starting out, you know, the antithesis, the other side of that was like playing like, you know, we were kind of doing like the singer songwriter coffee circuit of like, you know, 30 to like 60 to you know 80 people rooms, mm. but like full rooms because they were designed to be small and like you almost nothing's amplified. Or I have like a my blues junior amp turned around towards the wall on mm. like two and a half yeah. kind of yeah. a thing. And um, and that that was exciting to me. Like that was because it was like everyone there w- like loved music and mm. was there for the you know the subtleties and the songwriting. And, right. And I don't know, that's just that speaks to me more. So was that your favorite part then you think of, of your, of the, like the nocturnals career path? Like was your favorite part? I mean, we had a, you know, it was 13 years. So I wow. mean, there was, there was different like phases. Of course. 
that were exciting, you know, it was like, that was exciting, but then it also was exciting, you know, headlining small theaters in Vermont for the first time was incredibly exciting, yeah. you know, playing our first new year's Eve show in Vermont, um, you know, selling out higher ground, like our hometown, uh-huh. you know, club, like that's fucking ex- That was like our belly up. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and then I remember our first album release show, our manager at the time, who I'm still friends with, uh, it was like, it's never going to get any better than this, guys. Enjoy it. You know, I was like, oh, man, that's, why are you so pessimistic? <laughs> Wait, it's not going to get better? <laughs> what? Is and, it? And like, uh, I didn't get it. You know, I'm looking back at it, like, and it did. I mean, there was like other things and different things that were pretty awesome, but like, I get what he was saying, like that first ascent, you yeah. know, that first, it's like the first, you know, jump into the pool. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. It, it, it's, you can't kind of do it again. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. That is like that first hit a crack. It's like, you're never going to get there again. You're never going to get there again. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, that that's, you know, I, 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 um, I respect that, man. I respect someone who looks at it and sees their future and is like, you know, I don't want it. I, I, I'm going to walk away from that because that's just, I'm not interested. Open for cover bands. <laughs> <laughs> just to open for cover bands. We're playing your songs. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, so was that, so then, I don't know, like, was was that, do you ever have regrets about that decision? No. That's great. That's yeah, I mean, you know, money money is always stressful. Like that's just the life yeah. of a musician. Um, so you know, that, that I regret the money sometimes, <laughs> but I don't. I don't. I wouldn't be happy. I know that. You know, mm-hmm. I just know that because I'm so happy doing my own music. It's just where it's always been where I've been where I'm at, and it kind of was something that like I felt the whole way with the with the nocturnals you know wow. it was like because at the same time i joined them they asked me to i mean we weren't even a band it was you know the drummer and grace you know and like we want to go out on tour this summer and the, and i had also just done my first solo album you know but like to no one you know it was like that i made it home but it was there it was kind of and i had this like oh, shit do i take this path or this path you know and there was always a part of me that kind of like had that well what if you had followed your own path you know Mm -hmm. it might not have led to these great heights but it might have led to something else and so i kind of just jumped back on that path you know yeah fuck it i mean like i i i respect the fuck out of it dude like that's just to me that's just i mean like as like uh, another like example sort of of like that is like when dave Chappelle walked away from like what was like 20 million dollars or some crazy number that he walked away from from the show from the Dave Chappelle show and was like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You're not going to make me fucking do these things. I don't want to do and, and tell me what I got to do. And Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I just, I think I've always been designed to be my own boss. <laughs> I just like with the managers and the, you know, the record la- and just like the bigger you get, the more of these like voices and opinions. And I just was, going through Hollywood and having like 25 people come into your green room, you know, that is supposed to be the sacred band space, you know, and that normally is. And then all of a sudden these people come in and just ruin everything. It's just like, (laughs) (laughs) no, I, and like, even on the scale of bands that I've played with over the years, like even, even when it's just people coming in, just sort of barging in that just, you can tell are not supposed to be there. Even that is just like, 
we're trying to fucking vibe here, bro. We got to go, like, pour our hearts out into this fucking room full of strangers. Like, uh, it, home right now, because, like, if when you're on tour, too, like, the, that becomes a thing that people don't fully understand, you know, of just, like, that you don't have a home, like, when you're on tour. <laughs> and this is, like, you know, like, I'm just trying to fucking get through the day, man. Like, it's like <laughs> walking into your house, you know. Right. Like, Fucking changing your Netflix over to Fox News and being like, <laughs> <laughs> talking all close to your face and shit, yeah, no. stealing drinks. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, this is free, <laughs> dude. Uh, yeah, that's uh, I, yeah, yeah. That that I, it, that is your home. You're absolutely right. Like you're there. Like you're in my living room, bro. You're <laughs> I just live. Um, so the 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 new album is Telescope and um uh the new song is fucking awesome. It's fantastic. I wish we could play it, but but we can't because Twitch is you know, they well, you don't know, but Twitch has these DCMA or copyright infringement rules and shit. So we can't play anything. Uh but it's amazing and I was able to play some live stuff at the beginning so you guys got a vibe of what uh what what you're uh, what you're getting here. So tell me about the the new single. Tell me what the song means to you and you know what what you're trying to do with it and you can go into it as far as you want. I, I, it almost feels gross asking people to explain their songs and art to me, but you know like you could just however you want to explain it. I mean I'm psyched about this record. I think it's really cool uh, in the way that we went into like a, you know, I don't say legit because uh, the studio we made our last record in is great. And I love that record too, but we went and just into like a bigger room with a, with a bigger console and like more of a traditional studio with a really big live room with the sole purpose of pl playing as a complete band nice. and performing the songs and we had been rehearsing the songs in, you know for like three months four months before that as a band you know three nights a week three four hour rehearsals just grinding wow. you know grinding and kind of so that's kind of what felt good about it, it kind of felt like when you like go to the gym and you work out and you're just fucking pushing you're eating the, you know and you're like oh look at that muscle you know <laughs> yeah man it feels good oh like as a band like the work was put in you yeah. know what i mean it's like mowing your whole lawn and then looking at it okay. um and that's kind of so i'm really proud of that i'm proud of like you know the everyone just really kind of dug in and put in the work so when we hit the studio it was kind of like and we we hired um an engineer i don't really have to think about any any of that i mean i had some say in some stuff here and there but like for the most part i was like i want to perform and focus on that and uh and we did we had two percussionists we had our friend mitchum yukub play on the whole record so him and ty are both on, on percussion so oh, like nice. we just heavy they brought in all their shit too man it was like just so many conga drums and jaw bones and turtle shells and shit that i've never seen before so it's just it was very textured yeah. you know driving matt was in out there and um so yeah just i think it's we did it the right way for being the band that we are for being a big live band that like is focused on rhythm and, and that propulsive kind of sound. Um, and then having toured a lot and having played together a lot because Mitchum had gone out and done a bunch of tours with us. So like we had just played a lot together. Uh, so, and then to rehearse for three or four months and then to go cut it in a week, Wow! you know, really we cut all the basic tracks, I think in five days, 
Damn. You know, I mean, not they almost say basics, pretty much almost everything. We did a few, you know, thickening up the horn sections here and there or whatever. Hmm. Uh, so that's dope. Um, <laughs> that's of, dope. Like, it was dope for me because the sure. uh, the other records I had made was more of like um, one thing at a time was the first record. The second record was drums, bass, guitar, and percussion, but then adding the horns mm-hmm. and the vocals and everything on later, which is cool too. All those things are cool. Yeah, but it was, I think for what we are and what we grew into and that we had been touring and playing together, I think this was the right way to do it. So it was, ex- and it felt exciting after all that time playing. And we played a, a live show too. And, and, in Laguna beach, like to like a shitty bar that like no one was listening and like purposely booked that gig so we could play the entire album live. Oh, nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. So you can get video and stuff. Not even no, just oh. so we could just like, cause there's no practice, like, but like yeah, performing live. Live. Yeah. You can rehearse for three months, mm-hmm. but then you go out on stage for one show and it's like the equivalent of like two of those months. You're right. you know? Yeah. You're absolutely right, man. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of went in, but, but then we, at the same time, we didn't have, the songs weren't overcooked because mm-hmm. we hadn't been touring on them and stretched out the solo sections right. and all that stuff. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's the record. That's my rundown quickly of, of the record. And then we had Colin Dupuy mix it, which is exciting for us. He was Dan Auerbach's of the Black Keys engineer. Oh, nice. He recorded and mixed the uh, Dr. John album. Oh, he did, the, with Auerbach? Which won a Grammy. Yeah. So it's like, so we sent him all our all our stuff, and he mixed it, which we're pretty stoked about. So it's the whole thing from the ground up. We kind of swung for the fences That's in dumb. a way we haven't yet, you know. Yeah, and I way more time writing this because before I like the first record, I was writing it as I was making the song. Wow. You know, with this one, it was like I spent a year, you know, on and off, pretty much like just like going to a rehearsal space working it out you know like sitting down at the keyboard and Mm. like really trying to craft like good songs you know thinking about it when was this recorded the about three weeks before lockdown oh shit so it's been just shelved for like over a year yeah pretty much i mean well yeah we finished it really it was done by the summer Mm, and uh and then we just we were gonna go out on tour in august and and you know we just can't really afford to like put out an album and not tour behind it right put money into it and you know we just just didn't seem like the right thing to do after how much energy we had put into it to just be like yeah here you go (laughs) (laughs) there it is like, fuck that we're gonna roll this thing out (laughs) so so then uh so then are you guys planning a tour in the fall then as things open Uh, we're going to tour in August. Oh, right. Yeah, that seemed, I mean, it's all been a guesstimate until now, you know? Right. So I'm like, okay, that seems like things will be happening at least outside by then. So, right. Yeah, man. I mean, fuck dude. That was crazy. No one saw that coming. Right. Like <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Like my whole, like, I had tours planned and fucking, you know, a whole year worth of fucking shows all the way to the end of the year. It's just like, one oh. night, boom, it's gone. Like, did you guys have like tours and stuff, a tour booked uh, yet? Or were you guys just worried about finishing? Yeah, we had we had shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some our best paying shows ever, too. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is great. Here it comes. You know? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah. God damn. The de- so then how was that for you then? Like getting your, you know, doing this album and then, you know, having to just sort of shelve it. And then what, what did you end up doing over this year, this last year? I, mean, I just kind of, 
accepted it, you know, like all of us did. I think it was such a big shock to the system. So it was like, I was bummed about that, but I was also kind of like, you know, trying to just, you know, get grounded. Trying to get enough toilet paper to wipe your ass, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get to the, get the groceries to the house, figure out what to do with my dog and my kid and like how to just live through it, you know? Were you guys in San Diego still or did you, have you already moved? My, my wife and I were, and, um, yeah. And we, so we, we were, that was part of the reason we, you know, I moved back here is just like her family's back here. I'm closer to my family. We can drive. It was, it was getting scary for a while of like, what if someone gets sick, I'll never see them. And it was like, yeah. it really kind of like shit got real, yeah. you know? And when shit gets real, it's kind of like, well, you know, what would you do? This was the, you know, if this was your last month on earth, what would you do? And it's like friends and family, friends and family. <laughs> We gotta release this album. Yeah, I don't care about my career aspirations, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it just you know, it all worked out to come. So we so we moved in September across the country, which was crazy too. Did you drive? Um, I, I drove a van full of of gear and my dog, <laughs> and my wife flew, and we had like three moving trucks because she runs. She has a fabric company that like. <laughs> It's like has a huge warehouse and oh rolls. Of fa- it was like moving like fucking, you know, Michaels. Oh my <laughs> God. Your equipment plus fabric. Like, wow. There's nothing compared to her shit too. Like, wow. That's crazy. The whole band came up. It was the first time we had seen each other since the pandemic um, was they came over to my house and like, you know, all six of us masked up and like carried couches and TVs. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's nice. family. Yeah, man. I love those. I, I I love that now, you know, like this idea and even back when I was a younger man, but like the, the bands that I form with now, like, cause I'm very choosy now who I jump in a band with cause I'm, I'm fucking almost 40, bro. I'm not trying to deal with some young mouthy little punk. I'm not trying to fucking be in this band where everybody's like, oh, you know, like I'm just here to fucking play here to chill and if we can make jokes and jam real nice together then we're gonna be friends <laughs> that's, that's about the that's about the basics now to make new friends now you have to be able to i have to jam with you be able to jam with you and fucking get along with you uh so that that's how i make friends now but but you know it, what it is man you gotta it's like the hang is is for many more hours than the show for sure so. Yeah, you gotta get along. There's gotta be because um, we talked about that. We la- uh, like one of our members. I won't say who has been in some other bands where he's like, you know, he get in the van. It's like everyone puts their fucking hoods up and their headphones on, and no one ta- like. There's just no fun. Yeah. You know, we get in the road and it's like we haven't even played music for three hours. We're like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> going over like from from porn to politics oh dude know? no i always tell people like the van is probably the closest thing to like a the 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 seats where the comics sit in in, in a comedy club you know how there's like a, a bench or, or, or a table where the comics right. sit right. and i yeah. feel like that's the closest because comics say the most heinous and horrible things to each other but like when you get a group of dudes in a van who are musicians 
there's just some heinous, awful, philosophical, uh, fucking beautiful things. Just, you know, like it's probably the closest thing to a comic, uh, comics table as as you could get because it, it it is gross. It is absolutely disgusting. It's the closest thing I feel to like when I was like 12 years old and I like <laughs> went camping with like my buddies. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know? like it's like if you watch the movie Stand by Me. You know, like that's kind of like the van. Yeah, I feel that. Like, for like grown-ups you know like for it's sure like r-rated but like <laughs> but i've never laughed as hard as i have in the van you know with the crew <laughs> hell yeah man hell yeah and that's what it's all about man if you can't if you can't hang it, it, these days anyway i mean you know i'm sure there's young people out there right now who are who are biting the bullet and sitting next to someone they hate just because they fucking are in a band together and they're like 21, you know, well, not right now, but you know, they will be here in a couple months. They will be sitting next to someone they hate. And, and that's weird, you know, but, but that's, you know, this is how it is. I don't know. Maybe these kids, the, the kids today seem to be a little bit more balanced in the fact that they, they're more, uh, they're more prone to recognize that they have mental illness instead of like in our generations where we just sort of plow through it and fucking drink and fucking be like, fuck it. That don't exist. You know, it's just those things where it's like, it wasn't good when like, you know, our parents or even like our grandparents generation like didn't talk about anything you know everything was buried and broken and you know but then it's like on the other side of the coin sometimes it's like with social media it's like people are just like almost like you know faking mental illness for attention is just there it's just like please let me tell you it's like everyone's got a fucking thing now it's like I just said that, and somebody in my chat, at the very last podcast I had, someone in chat was like, that's not true. Mental illness is not a trend. I'm just like, bro, you're telling me that every person on Facebook who's under 25 is fucking bipolar and fucking depressed and has anxiety? They might. On some level, like, I think we all have, you know, every human being alive has a mental illness, you know, and if you shine a big big enough magnifying glass on it, it's like it's going to you can expose it and analyze it and so we're all broken oh, of course. You know, that's fine yeah it's just yeah it's like when it's used as kind of like a pedestal mm-hmm. sometimes it can be used as a as a as a means to getting attention yes yes or, or showing some sort of moral support superiority it's like as someone who suffers from mental illness i can be i can say for sure that that is a very offensive thing that you just said I know, but it's like I struggle with this. I mean, my my wife and I talk about this all the time. Oh yeah, me yeah, me too. Me, our, my wife too. <laughs> yeah, because it's like ah, it's one of those things. It's like it's it. It needs to be said. It needs to be dealt with. Shit has been fucked up. Mm. People have been slighted over and over and over again. But then it's like sometimes people can take it too far, and everything is offensive. Right. And it's like. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Neither side's totally right. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. And here's the thing. It, 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 I say it all the time. It's like there is actual truth. Uh, I know you got to wrap up here soon. So. Oh, okay, man. No worries. Okay. Uh, you had to be out by three, right? Um, yeah, maybe five minutes, man. I'm good. Yeah, okay, cool, cool. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say anyway, so fuck it. <laughs> it don't matter anyways. That's uh that's how it works. I smoke too much weed and I can't remember what I was just going to say. Oh, I love what you said in the beginning, the Fauci ouchie. 
I have never heard that before. <laughs> You've never heard the Fauci allergy? That's like that's like the meme of the fucking century. Um, like it's fucking ugh, like the whole thing. No, we were talking about something, um, and I was about to. Oh wait, no. What were we just? The the right and the left. <laughs> yeah. Um, God damn it. It, it's, I don't even think it was like that important of a thing to say. It's not like anything we said today was that important, but I'm just saying. Fauci algae, yeah, your favorite today. Um, oh, whatever. Who gives a fuck? I like that in your vape pen in the beginning. <laughs> that was the problem. I hit the vape pen too hard. Too hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you hit the vape pen too hard. You forget what you're talking about in the middle of all of this. What was uh, I saying? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then, uh, wh- wh- what do you, what do you think? Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I was, uh, I-, I saw that they're trying to cancel Robert Downey Jr. right now oh, uh, for for Tropic Thunder, and, uh, and I went on Twitter, which Twitter is. I just recently came to Twitter. I'm new to Twitter just because uh, Twitch and Twitter kind of they work together really well, but. Um, the I went and searched the hashtag cancel um, RDJ. That's the hashtag. And there was like so many black people being like, I don't know what the fuck y'all are talking about. Robert Downey Jr. is a genius. Like we gave him the past years ago. It don't matter. But one of my favorites was I have to read it because it's so fucking funny. And I posted it on my, my Instagram. And then I had to go to my wife and ask like, hey, should I be posting this? Because my wife is black, so like I'll ask her things. That I'll be like, "Hey, shit, is this, is this okay?" <laughs> and she was like, "I don't know." She's like, "Most most people know who you are, who are in your Instagram, so it'd probably be cool." But I don't know. I'm sure yeah. someone out there is gonna be like, "Fuck you, Mikey P." So this is what this dude says: His name Antoine and something Coco. He says, "Y'all." n-words trying to cancel our uh, rdj for what that n-word was hilarious in tropic thunder y'all need dick fuck out of here white people stupid <laughs> and i just was like and it's all like not even complete sentence. fuck out of here period white people stupid period y'all need dick period <laughs> like, y'all need dick is my favorite y'all need dick <laughs> love that shit. I uh, do too. I do too. I, I I love that I love that even even you know like I love that all these like um upper crest white people have decided to tell black people how to feel about things. And then I love how <laughs> black people respond to it. That's like my favorite part is just like what are you even talking about? But I think my favorite part about last summer which was a horror show but my favorite part, which is not, I should, you know, was when white people started like getting on their knees and like apologizing to black people. I thought that I look, I know that might not be funny to some people, right? But I thought that shit was so hilarious. And as a Mexican man, I can say that that wasn't offensive. No, okay. No, but but personally, I fucking that what I couldn't imagine because I've asked black people like I've asked so you know I know asking your one black friend doesn't qualify for all the black people's opinion in the world, but I've asked several black people that are in my circle is like what would you do if some white person started fucking just getting on their knees and like <laughs> saying they're sorry and they they laugh my ass off I would just start laughing it's 
funny. It's funny that these fuck and, and you know, God bless those white folks who are just trying to make amends for for the horror that white people have, have put on the world, but still that shit was hilarious. So next up. Anyways, with that said, <laughs> Scott Tornate, thank you so much for coming on the show. When exactly is Telescope going to be released? I think August 23rd, I believe. August 20. Yeah, we've got, so the song, our single is Wake Up, and that's what's out right now. And then we got a couple more singles coming out before that. Nice, nice. And, and then when you hit the road, you said in oh, August? Yeah. We're, we're big and our song is big in Brazil so far. Oh, really? Hey, well, dude, I mean, it fucking has those, those, yeah, those rhythms. It's... I know. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like looking at our Spotify numbers, I was like, wait, Brazil is the biggest country for us right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, fucking polyrhythms fucking go. Yeah. That's why I love your band, too, because it's like it's rock and roll, but it fucking has that polyrhythm that I fucking I just love that, man. Like that Fela Cootie shit just fucking gets my. Mm, yeah rock hard baby rock hard apples and cheese man we're going for conflicting flavors uh (laughs) greater flavor (laughs) but but you guys do it so well and i know i know you gotta go so uh i won't pull you into but real quickly what what was sort of the impetus to to mix these two genres together just uh, being bored with American rhythms, being bored with four on the floor, you know, loving Fela Kuti so much, loving uh, Carlos Santana's performance at Woodstock so much. Yeah. Uh, being so fucking moved by those two things. Those two things specifically were huge inspirations to me. And so it's just like, ah, fuck, those rhythms are so good. Yeah. You know, and Tony Allen kicks in on the drums. It's so good. Oh, yeah. And I just want to play that. But also, like, you know, trying to do some Afrobeat and shit, just being like, I can't do a 25-minute Afrobeat song, and I'm not going to sing like that, and it's not going to work. It's going to be horrible <laughs> if I, this, like, white guy from, you know, grew up in Vermont. Like, <laughs> so I was like, I got to, you know, I love that shit so much, yeah. but I, I got to do something else. It like, And so I just chipped away at it and, and like, started doing more, like, the things that I'm comfortable with on top of that stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how we stumbled on the flavor, you know, it's like, you don't know sometimes until you try it. Oh, yeah. like, who like the first person who was putting together peanut butter and chocolate or whatever. It's like, he probably stumbled on some terrible <laughs> recipes as well. And I, yeah. I did too along the way. I was like, what if I didn't? No, 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 don't do that. You know? <laughs> oh, Hey man, you know, we fucking, we got to find your way. And then once you find it, fuck it. And I found the formula. The first song that really was the formula is the song "Expectation" on our first record, and it was like that's okay, like that fucking. <laughs> I can do this works somehow. It's like a four-minute song with like a little with a bridge and verses and choruses, and it's over a straight-up Afrobeat groove. Yeah, and it's got horns in it and reverse Jimi Hendrix guitars and shit. It's like cool. what's not to love, motherfuckers. You can find Scott in the chat, everyone. Go ahead and click on those links. You can find his Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, is is is, is uh, the the website. Go click around. Go follow your boy. Go go support Scott and Electric Voodoo. And Scott, I really appreciate it. And anyone listening, all those links will be in the show notes. So go click around and support your boy, Scott Tornade. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You were fucking amazing. I had a great conversation. And. Uh, they're going wild for you, Scott. They're going wild for you. 
<laughs> okay. All right, Scott. <gasps> oh, no one even did that yet. All right, Scott, you have a great rest of your day, my friend, and I will talk to you soon. Um, yeah. All right. Good buddy. Yeah, man. Peace. Scott for coming on the show everybody make sure that you are following electric voodoo on all their socials you can find their links in the show notes make sure you go check them out at electricvoodoo.com that's e-l-e-k wait elect oh shit <laughs> let me go look at it we spell english good uh e-l-e-k-t-r-i-c v-o-o-d-o-o.com go get yourself some voodoo Telling you right now, it's time to go get some voodoo. Uh, yeah, uh, again, Rain of Mystique has a new song out called Hold. It is now available to stream on all streaming platforms. Go and click on the link in the show notes so you can go get some hold. Alright, um, so that's RainMystique.com or uh, any of the streaming platforms. Of course, I put the link in the show notes. Uh, you can find We Speak English Good on Twitch two days a week, sometimes three. Mondays and Fridays, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This Sunday, we have JT and the Conspirator. Me and uh, Jason Tyler Black are going to be doing an, an acoustic duo. So come on through. Let's get sexy. Sexy Sunday. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up in regards to the live band streams. We will be um, we will be doing some uh, cool things out at Bigfoot Studios. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited because the band as a as a band hasn't played together like that in a while. Now I'm I'm saying like that as in because we're gonna have like a, a real drum set. We're gonna have you know everything's gonna be set up. Super yawning. I'm super stoked about it, guys, because I'm yawning. But that's it. All right, guys, I gotta get going. So uh, make sure you're tuning in Friday for the uh, for for Broken Robots Indie Band out of Chicago, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sunday, the 27th, 2021, the live music stream, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's everything. Oh yeah, guess what? Ray Mystique has a new song out. It's called Hold. Link is in the show notes. Go get yourself some, baby. All right. I got to go. I got a mod. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I'll see you all on Friday. Dizzle.